Hey friends, happy Wednesday and welcome to Drive Through Moms. I'm your host, Lynn Mitcher. Each episode, we'll hear stories from ordinary moms serving others in extraordinary ways and chat about how God has impacted their life. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. guys, welcome to Drive Through Moms. This is Lynn. Today, I'm so excited to get to have um, Mindy, my niece, on with us today. Um, Mindy, thank you for agreeing to be on. I know I'm a family member, so you probably really couldn't say no. Um, <laughs> but, thank, but thank you. Um, so before we kind of get started into the whole motherhood thing, um, tell me a little bit about, so I know you guys met in college, right? But tell me a little bit about you before you got to West Texas, which is where we, the Nitchers, kind of all came into the picture, at least um, in your lifetime. Yeah. So just to clarify, I'm not technically your niece. I'm married to your nephew. So well, that's how... Whatever. Your niece by marriage. That's you fine. Know. Well, so I met Cody, um, at church. We were, I was actually out of, I was working on my master's degree and we just had mutual friends, but never really ran in the same circles. Um, so like I, I knew who he was for a while and then, um, due to like some extra events at church and stuff, we started hanging out in preparation for this event. I don't even know what it was, but we just started hanging out more because we were both helping and it was just one of those, like, I could tell he liked me. And so he wouldn't do anything about it. So I told its friend, <laughs> I was like, Hey, if somebody wants to ask me out, like I'll say yes. <laughs> and, uh, so his friend gave him the green light and then, and then here we are, we've been married for six and a half years, which is crazy to think that it's been that long. Yeah. Um, well, because we dated for forever. We dated for like four years before that. So we've been together for almost okay, 10. See, Reggie and I dated for four years before we got married. It was kind of like, okay, the logical thing, let's go through school. We'll graduate. He'll get a job. Um, and then we'll, you know, and then we'll get married. So I think the four-year thing works. It seems seems like it well, makes sense. That was like forced upon us. And I don't even know if you remember this part, but we started dating like right after Christmas. And then that July, like six months later, I moved to South Sudan. So I was doing a two-year missionary term with the International Mission Board. And I had already, like I was already in the pipeline going to do that. And so I actually said yes to going out with them, intending to only date him a few times because I knew I was moving. Um, And so we started dating and by the time that July rolled around six months later, we're like, Oh, this is actually like pretty serious for us. And we want to, we want to see where this goes, but see, Um, I'm not going to be here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to move away for two years, like 8,000 miles away. (laughs) So we, the four, the four years thing was sort of forced upon us. So we, we dated, you know, if you can call it that over email, cause this was even like kind of before Skype. So, um, and then he was, he was amazing. He waited for me. And so when, when I got back, my dad likes to say that I got off the plane and he proposed, which isn't quite how it was, but <laughs> I got back in August, he proposed in October and we got married in March after that. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I remember, no, I do remember when you were gone and I remember Cody, you know, asking prayer for you for while you were um, gone. Now, didn't he go, didn't he come to, to, or go to visit you? <laughs> He did. He came all the way to South Sudan and I'm not kidding. Like there's, that's like the end of the earth. There's just not a whole lot of places in the world that are more extreme and just 
undeveloped than South Afghanistan might be one of those places, but yeah, he came and he sweated it out and I'm sure there was, I think there was a snake in the hut that he stayed in <laughs> and he, he rolled with it. And he, so you guys had only been dating for how long before he's like, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, across the world to go visit somebody I've dated for just a little bit, you know, in person. And then the rest of it. Well, we waited for six months in person. And then I think I had been there maybe like eight or nine months before he came. Yeah. So it got serious really fast for us. We just had this two-year, like, forced separation. (laughs) That's that's awesome. So how did you, was that, that wasn't part of your, that was a mission thing, right? Because it wasn't part of your uh, master's, I mean, did your education play into that? No, I was separate. Yeah, I finished my master's degree in nutrition. I finished that in May, and then I left in July. So um, I didn't really get to use my master's for a super long time before I left. Um, but missions was sort of the thing that brought me and Cody together to begin with, because the the main reason why we had sort of started talking, like not like talking, like, like each other, but just literally like talking to each other, um, was because he knew that I was going to South Sudan and he was also interested in missions. And so he wanted to, we just, he just wanted to talk to me about what I was doing and all of that. And so that was part of our whole, like kind of our whole relationship really was, your um, common interest, was at missions. least where it started. Yeah, and like he wanted to do that long term, and I wanted to do that long term, and here I was making like major steps to do that. Um, and so that was kind of a main part of of why we stayed together was because this like the reason why I was gone was the reason that both of us wanted to be together anyway. Right. right. Now, didn't your did your did you grow up on the mission field, or your parents had some? No, I'm. No, I'm from Dallas. My my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot, and I like to blame him for my sense of adventure. But my mom, she just is constantly like, I did not mean to have a life full of adventure. I just had adventure thrust upon me by <laughs> your choice. So, no, this is like, that's not really what my family's about. This is, it's just me. Okay. Well, I knew that, like, you had a family member that is, is your dad have a British accent or you have a family member that's British? Oh yeah, my aunt. Yes, that's also part of it. My aunt married to a British guy, and so they've after they got married like thirty nine years ago, they moved to England. So most of my family actually is British. Okay, okay. Well, I couldn't for some reason. Um, gosh, I'm a terrible aunt. I had it in my mind that you grew with grew up with some sort of emissions background, but maybe it was just the fact that you no. guys traveled or you grew up in different. Yeah, countries. I mean, going going to England was like normal. It's not that we did it like every month or anything, but going to England just, you know, to see family and stuff was pretty normal for us. So international travel was, that wasn't like scary to my family. It was just normal. (laughs) Which I didn't realize wasn't normal for other families. I just, so then marrying Cody and then like he, I think one of his first plane, I think to come see me in South Sudan was like his third plane ride ever. Right. Seems like maybe so, his first one was it when he went to California or yeah, trip to yeah. California with the church or something. Yeah. 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 It's funny when you do meet people that haven't been very many places. Even Amanda, you know, hasn't been out of the country, I don't think, other than she went on a cruise. But like my parents grew up traveling the the high school that I went to, because I grew up in Duncanville. So the high school that I went to had a foreign travel program. So if you took a foreign language in high school, you could go. You were up yeah, for you were up it. For it. And sure. so my parents, um, all three of us kids went on two different trips. My parents from that point on, um, when they 
didn't have to pay for us anymore. You know, they got to go as teachers, as chaperones. And so they always fostered this huge love of travel and which has been a little difficult the last couple of years because they're just at the point where, you know, my dad's almost 88 um, next summer. And so they just can't really do that anymore, which is really sad, but they, they love the whole travel thing. So, so if the two of you guys kind of bonded over initially, um, you know, your love for the potential idea, at least of being on the mission field, um, how long, I mean, I know obviously that you guys went to Thailand for a while. Mm -hmm. How long into your marriage was it before you're like, Hey, let's move halfway across the world and, you know, take this other adventure while we're young and don't have kids. And, you know, how, how did that come about, you know, and we, well, so we got married in 2014 and then we were pretty much like, all right, let's, let's start taking steps. So there's a couple of things that we wanted to do before we moved anywhere. One, we wanted to be married for longer than five minutes. So we thought, you know, we can start taking steps, but we weren't trying to like get married in March and then move somewhere in April. Like we thought it would probably be good to just be married for, you know, a year or two before we moved anywhere. And then, um, Cody was also on the work full-time, go to school part-time schedule for his degree. And so we were waiting for him to finish his bachelor's degree. Um, and then we also wanted to make sure that we were leaving with no debt at all. And so we got married in 2014 and then, um, Cody graduated with his bachelor's degree in December of 2015. So like a year and a half later and the day before he graduated was the day that we paid off all of his student loans. So we, um, kind of after that point, we were like, okay, we can actually take some serious steps here to going somewhere. So that, yeah, we'd been married like a little over a year and a half and we were part of a missions mobilization group, um, through our church. And so the church that we were going to at the time was really, um, pro missions. They were doing all they could to put, um, like the idea of unreached peoples, people who have never heard the gospel before and like probably won't ever hear it in their lifetime. Like the idea of of that in front of um, everyone at church, they were doing lots of evangelism trainings. And so it was kind of, um, kind of nice because we were, it's like we were in a small group of people who were wanting to go to the mission field. And so we felt pretty supported by our community, like through church. And we weren't the only ones trying to support raise or find a team to go to, or anything like that. So we felt like we had a pretty good support system in place, like kind of in, in all ways when we were um, kind of when we were at that right. point. And so Cody has always had a thing for Asia, specifically Japan. And so that plays out. He's kind of, he's a huge nerd. And I can say that because, you know, you're his aunt. That's you know? <laughs> okay. And I can say that about your, um, you know, your uncle, because he's kind of a big tech nerd too. So yeah. Yep. Yep. So he's a huge nerd, um, loves anime, loves Japanese food. He minored in Japanese at tech, not because there's loads of Japanese people where we live, but just because he likes right. it. So he just like had this thing for Asia and specifically Japan. And I kind of felt pretty neutral towards everywhere as far as like missions went. I was ready, I was willing to go, but I didn't I didn't have a specific place that I was like oh, I really have a heart for this place. So I was kind of like, hey, if Cody has this heart for Japan, I just want to go where people don't know the Lord. And so like, that's fine with me if we go there. 
Um, and so kind of halfway through the process, we had talked to some teams in Japan and about halfway through that, um, our church leadership came to us and asked us to reconsider, um, going to Thailand. Our church had a specific focus on Thailand and they'd already asked us before. And we had kind of said no, cause we were pursuing Japan, but, um, anyway, long story short, we ended up saying yes to Thailand. Um, and so we went, we moved in 20, excuse me, 2016. So we've been married a little over two years at that point when we actually moved to Thailand. So no kids, just two years married, just up and moved across the world. And what, well, what was that we, like? I mean, you know, like you said, Cody really hadn't been barely out of Lubbock, been two or three places on a plane, you know, to up and transplant from here and move yeah. to Thailand in terms of getting acclimated to the people and the food and, and much less, um, you know, be ready to share the gospel with people and tell them, Hey, Jesus loves you, but I can't speak your language, but let's talk about it. Right. Right. Well, it was actually, um, I heard a lot of stories about how like hard it was. I mean, and I went to Sudan and I had a major, like major culture shock, major hard time there. Um, we found that specifically for Thailand, for us, we didn't experience like the horror stories, which is sort of what we were braced for. And I think part of that comes from maybe my experience in Sudan. So I, I at least had like kind of ridden the roller coaster of culture shock and knew, okay, if I hate it here one day, that's not a permanent feeling necessarily. That's just me trying to yes. not lose my mind, yeah. you know, whatever, after messing up a Thai word for the thousandth time. And then Cody, you know, Thailand's not Japan. Uh, like it's not, but there's enough Asia in, I mean, it's part of Asia. And so there's enough about that, that Cody, you know, really loves and finds really enjoyable and easy to be around. And so for us, I mean, there were hard parts, but mostly it was a pretty good transition moving to Thailand. Um, the harder parts for us were actually the things that weren't Thailand. So, you know, right. we were team leaders, we were new, we we had never led a team before. And there's a lot of challenges that come with leading a team because the other people on our team were also experiencing culture shock and, you know, they're trying to adjust and all of that. So for a variety of other factors, sort of unrelated to Thailand, those were actually our, our struggles, but we felt like and Thailand itself was, was great. And we went to language school for a year and a half at the beginning. And so that was nice too, because our days are really structured and both of us kind of thrive on structure structure, yeah. and routine. Well, and I can imagine being somewhere, you know, even though somewhere that neither one of you'd been before versus being in Sudan by yourself had to be a little bit. Literally anywhere is better than South Sudan by myself. Well, yeah, but I mean, at least somewhere, you know, you guys were together. So even if you had a really crappy day, you know, you're like, okay, but I still have Cody or we're still together versus somewhere maybe that you were yeah. on your own. Um, well, we kind of found that we weren't experiencing culture shock. We've kind of found that actually throughout our marriage, we have not typically experienced stress at the same pace. And so this is not just Thailand, but just kind of in general, if Cody's feeling really overwhelmed by whatever the circumstances, it doesn't typically ever happen either at the same time as me or like maybe not the same aspects of the situation stress me out. And so it's really nice because when, when he's like, you know, in a low in a pit, I'm, I'm usually not. And so I can like carry us and then kind of a, the vice versa when I'm just like, this is dumb. 
can't do any of this. I hate it all. He's, he's like having a great time. And so he can, he can carry us. And I think that's part of um, the awesome way that God puts us together because different personalities and different characteristic traits in each other that, you know, you can play off of each other. And like you said, when one of you is affected by something that wouldn't affect the other one, because like, you know, your uncle Reggie is the calmest person on the planet. Things don't really ruffle him. Um, He doesn't really get upset or I don't think I've ever really seen him angry. Maybe twice in the 31 years we've been married, I've seen him like actually mad um, very, chill. very chill. And so I'm totally not, I mean, I'll get my feathers ruffled fairly easily, which, you know, we're not talking about me, but it, that's, I, I can see that. Um, really, it's great how God just gives you a partner. Right, right. Exactly. That has some strengths that you don't have, which is sometimes annoying. I mean, it really is hard to look at other people that have strengths that I don't have and be like, ugh. yeah, you're like, I hate why you. Don't why I, don't I have that? Yeah, like, why don't I have that? But, so, but then on the flip side, like, I've got, you know, other people's weaknesses or maybe are not my weaknesses. And so that's, you know, just got to remember there's both, right. <laughs> both things happen. Right, right. And I think that gives us an opportunity to learn from other people in times when you see them, you're like, wow, okay, that is something that I can work towards or something that I realize is a flaw in me that God is showing me and challenging me a little bit that like, Hey, you don't really need to freak yeah. out about this. I'm here. Um, yeah. So once you guys got there and you'd been there for a while, what do you, what was the biggest, I mean, coming from a nutrition background, I mean, I don't know if Cody is anything like his uncle, but um, how did you handle the food? I mean, what was, what was that? like? <laughs> so it was fine. Like I love Thai food. I'm a very adventurous eater, which is probably not the answer that, maybe most people would be giving, but I, I didn't really struggle with the food so much. The only thing, the only maybe a hard part sometimes was I had a really hard time judging. If I was looking at something, I would never really know how spicy it was going to be. And I can do spice, but sometimes if you've ever had real Thai food, it's like melt your face off spicy. And the, the number of chilies that you can see in it is not really a good indicator of the level of spice. (laughs) But I mean, some of, some people on our team, Cody included, had a really, that was a very stressful thing for them was eating. Um, and there's a lot of cultural things that go with eating too. It's extremely rude to not eat what's offered to you. So that's like a kind of a difference from American culture, because I think, you know, if you came to my house, I would offer you a glass of water and you, you could say like, oh no, I'm fine. And I would be like, oh, okay, well, she's fine. So I won't give her any, or I might say like, Hey, do you want I've got some muffins over here. And if you just like genuinely weren't hungry or didn't want one, you might say, no, I'm good. And that's the end of it. But in Thailand, that's like, if I came straight from lunch and go to your house, you're going to eat again. <laughs> that, that's, I'm going to be, I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat yeah. a lot. And even if it's stuff I've never seen before and don't know what it is, it, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Did you have trouble? Like, so when you bought stuff there, was it like pretty much in an open market? Was it different? How was it different? Just you are like, like open air yeah. or a thing, and just like meat, you know, at the grocery store, even if it's indoors, like here, you don't, you don't like scoop your ground beef. You It comes in like pre-packaged, you know, samples and stuff like the pre-measured out for you. And there you just like take your, take the big metal spoon yeah. and like scoop it out <laughs> into a, 
and to like a bag. in the bulk bins where you would go get you know nuts yeah. or whatever here. Okay, yeah. I didn't know. Yep. We had some girls that stayed with us a few, uh, two different times that were from China, and loved it. And we took them to a Chinese market here in town. And I remember, you know. To them, it's normal. What we think is normal is weird to them. It's just a different experience. And yet learning learning that culture of um, a few years later, one of the girl's parents came and stayed with us because they wanted to meet us because we'd hosted their kids for three weeks. And um, they wanted to cook for us. And Reggie was very wise. He and Reed did not tell me what they actually make because I, I would have. I, I would have struggled if they had told me what they were making, but I, you know, we ate it and you don't, like you said, you don't dare not, you don't want to be rude. You just, you know, you're thankful that they're doing something from their heart. And, um, but yeah, I, I think my stomach, I would have, I would have struggled with that a little bit. So the best, the best little story about that is one, one day during language school, somehow the conversation came up about food. I mean, that came up like all the time, but, um, the teacher was saying, we were talking about, we had seen at the market, it's literally like a pig face. And I don't know how to explain it other than it, at the market, they're selling the face of a pig. Mm-hmm. It's not the head, it's like the face. And Cody and I were very confused. Like, do you eat this? Like, how, what, how, what's happening? So we asked our teacher about it and she was like, oh, it's great. Like, it's kind of a Chinese thing, but it's so good. Like the cheek is good and all this stuff. And Cody was like, uh, no. And so the teacher, that was a big mistake because the Thai teacher was like, well, okay, but I'm going to bring it to you tomorrow and you're going to eat it because you're my student and you need to know about Thai food and Thai culture. So I'm going to bring it. And Cody, she's like, you can bring something that's American for me. And so we were like, okay. So Cody's just like sweating big time. He's like, I re- I'm just going to be sick tomorrow. I won't be able to be here <laughs> trying to get out of that big face. So anyway, so we came, we showed up with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because we thought what is more American than a peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwich? And they were just like mutually disgusted by each other's food. Like she, she had this pig face and was like excited. You, I mean, she was, she was like, could not wait for Cody to try this pig face. So Cody's, you know, throwing it back, trying to be a good sport about it. And he like shows her the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and is explaining what it is. And her nose wrinkled so hard. And she was just like disgusted by that. I can't imagine you'd be disgusted by a sandwich, which seems like a very basic, calm thing but but there we were so when you got okay so you guys had been there for a while and then how long had you been there before you got pregnant with little one so we had been there maybe how long had we been there we've been there a little over a year and that was kind of a major turning point for me because at that point we'd been married um how three and a half years, almost four. And kind of the whole time we've been dating and even the whole time we've been married, I was just, Cody was so excited to start a family and that he was like, just really obvious and clear about like, Hey, let's have a baby. Like, let's have a baby right now. Like, just so excited. Can't wait to have all the babies. And I was never like that. And so I don't know, hopefully some other moms might relate to this, but this is something I've like kind of struggled to find myself in other mom resources is somebody like me who, who has not ever been super excited about having a baby. And I should say that like, I love my daughter very much, but it took me several years before I was like, okay, I think if I got pregnant, it wouldn't ruin my life. 
literally how I felt. I've, I was so scared the, you know, the first several years, like if I get pregnant, it's going to ruin my life. And that's what I thought. And I had this one specific day, nothing had happened. There's, there was no trigger for this. And I will never forget this walking down because they took the train everywhere in Bangkok, walking down the train station steps back to our apartment. And I was like, I literally had the thought of, I think if I got pregnant, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, Lord, that's a start. And that's kind of as far as it went for like maybe a month yeah. or two. I didn't really want to say anything to Cody because he was so excited and I didn't want him to hear... I didn't want me to say yeah. having a baby wouldn't ruin my life. And for him to hear like, ready. let's have a baby now. <laughs> so I kind of sat on that for a couple of months. And one of the other components of that for me was that we had never used any sort of like birth control or anything. And we'd been married for almost four years at that point, And I had never been pregnant. My mom had gone through like five years of fertility treatments to have me so my mom is an only child and her mom is an only child. And so there was, I never had any like real specific diagnosis of anything major, but it was my OBGYN had always been like, I don't know, given your history and given your genetics, like, I don't know. And so that was always in my mind too, of like, if I'm going to have a baby, I'm probably going to have to like do some extra steps here. Yeah which seemed like way more than I was ever really wanting to do. I was kind of like, okay, if I just get pregnant, you know, okay, it won't ruin my life, but I don't know if I'm ready to like go to the doctor and like intentionally make this happen. Right. So after a few months, I told Cody like, okay, I think this is where I'm at. And because I think I'm probably going to need to like go to the doctor about this, we sort of need to make some decisions here. And that was another thing. Cause we were leaving Bangkok. We were moving out to the really rural area that didn't, they had a, like a little rural hospital, but there was no like fertility specialist. And Bangkok has extremely good medical care. And so I was kind of like, oh, we're leaving. We're moving in like four months. And so if I'm going to be, if I'm going to have access to any of this, like I, I guess I need to get the show on the road here. Yeah, so you felt a little bit of time crunch. So, from like, hey, we might you know, yeah, see what we can do while we're yeah. here. Yeah. So I, we went to the doctor and I did two rounds of, I did one round of, um, Clomid and then that didn't work. And then I did another round of something else and I don't remember what it was. And then I got pregnant. So we were moving and we'd actually decided, you know, if we don't get pregnant the second round, like so many people have to, I mean, they go like months and months and years without getting pregnant. So, but we're moving, like, if I'm not pregnant with this time, like, we're just going to take a break because we got to find a house out here and we got to do some stuff. So I was literally, we got into our new town. I was in the hotel room and it was just the day of my cycle that I, I was supposed to take a pregnancy test. Not because I thought I was pregnant, but just like, okay, now you might, you need to take one. And so there was no digital pregnancy tests. It was like just the the two pink line right. kind. And let me just tell you, movies get it wrong. I thought it was going to be like hot pink, bright pink, could tell that two little pink lines on the thing. This was like a pink line and like maybe a tiny shadow that could have also maybe been another pink line. It was so like, confusing. Am I, am I not? I don't know. I don't know. So of course I make Cody go to the store and buy like three more and I'm chugging water so that I can like take three more pregnancy tests and they all were sort of like not really any more clear, but anyways, so it turns out I was pregnant 
And we had, it was our first day in our new town. And so that was kind of an overwhelming start to the pregnancy. Um, so there we were in our new town, no access to any doctors, no English anywhere, no house. And I was pregnant. And you didn't have an easy pregnancy, right? No, pregnancy didn't treat me good. And I am so happy when I hear other people say that they love being pregnant because that's not anything that I know about. And so I'm like, oh, it it does exist. It does. I I I had. I I I think you told me that you felt good. I did. I I was like, yeah. So I'm glad it makes you happy. I, I would I would think it would make you the opposite. Like, how in the world does that happen? But like, I think I probably got sick twice out of. I I had two miscarriages. I was pregnant, so I was pregnant five times. But out of the three kids, I probably threw up twice. Total. I probably threw up like twice the first week I found out I was pregnant. (laughs) I mean, I was sick like from week five onward, and I lost so much weight. I was kind of a one of those freaks that lost a bunch of weight, and I'm a lot lighter now that I've had a baby. But I was just I I couldn't eat for forever. So I did all the things. So if there's a mom out there, this is like not medical advice, all the disclaimers, but I ate sushi because one day I was like, the only thing that I think might not make me throw up is sushi. And so I'm going to eat that because what do women in Japan eat? Surely they eat sushi. And then I ate a ham sandwich, like a lunch meat sandwich every day for six weeks because it was the only thing. I mean, I would look at it and cry. Like, and not think, again. I've got to eat <laughs> Yeah, like I have to, I've got to eat this and I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up. I can't, but anyways, somehow got those down for six weeks and I ended up flying to Bangkok for my prenatal appointments because it was cheap to fly and there were no, there were no, there's like one OB in the town that I lived in. And so I was like, I want to do these appointments in English, not in Thai. And so I flew to Bangkok for my, you know, like once a month for my appointments And then I was um, supposed to go, you know, you can't fly after 36 weeks. And so at 35 weeks, I was, we were going to go to Bangkok and just stay and wait for her to arrive. And the night before our flight to Bangkok, I woke up in the middle of the night and my water had broke. And so I had to show up. I mean, at that point I'm like, well, can't go to Bangkok because I'm like, you know, this baby's coming. So she was five weeks early. So I have just had to show, I wake Cody up and he like wakes up. He's instantly sweaty, you know, like classic dad panic of like, this baby's coming, whatever. So he, so we go to this rural hospital at three in the morning and I walk up and say, I'm having a baby. And so I had to do the whole thing in Thai. Cody's trying to do all the insurance stuff in Thai. They've never met us. Like we, we don't know any of these doctors, um, you know, the doctor, she doesn't speak any English, which is like, I can speak Thai fine, but like when you're in the middle of having a baby, you barely speak your own right. language, never mind your second right. language. So she's telling me to push, and I'm like, that's not a word I've heard before. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like push the door open. It's like, it's a different word. And, so, you know, context clues, I figured out what she's telling me to do, but that was, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. So she was five weeks early, came in, came, in the middle of rural Thailand where we lived. It's super fast. Did right? the whole hour and 45 uh, minutes start to finish. See, that is I your mean, saving grace because you had this 
you know, horrible, not horrible, but you had a hard pregnancy in terms of being sick and just nauseous the whole time for, you know, eight and a half months. And then, you know, the Lord was like, eh, let's just get this over with. I can't imagine. I think I pushed longer than that with Lacey. Just pushing. Cody asked me how I felt at the end. He's like, how do you feel? You know, it was all over. I was like, confused. (laughs) I said, I'm I'm still confused because I went to bed last night pregnant and I woke up this morning. Child. And I the child. (laughs) Very confusing. Well, and you said the medical, uh, the medical, um, I'm losing the word, but um, the tech, just the technology and the medical care and stuff in Bangkok was really good. But I remember at one time, didn't Cody say it's like super cheap medically to pay for things? Oh. Yeah, well, I don't know what it was going to be in Bangkok because we never ended up going. So at the international hospital that we were very excited to give birth at, it was probably much more expensive. But where we ended up giving birth, she had to have phototherapy, you know, she because she was early. So we stayed for probably four days, three nights, and the whole thing was $1,800, which in my opinion is like kind of a, that's a reasonable price to have yeah. a baby. Yeah, yeah. So I came back to the States and my friends were telling me how much that they were paying still for their babies. And I was like, oh man, I mean, this was kind of traumatic the way I had mine, but at least, at least it was cheap. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think about, I mean, I know you guys were there for a little while longer with her before you moved back to the States, but in terms of just, you know, like you said, you weren't, it it wasn't like you had this natural inclination to, to be a mom and have a kiddo for a long time. Um, And obviously, like you said, you adore her and she's the cutest thing, but what was it like? How would you compare being a parent there versus here? Like what, what was different about when you came back to the States or was it different? Um, you know, actually I've, I've thought about this before and a lot of this COVID lifestyle that we have now as a parent is reminding me a lot of when I was in Thailand, because I know how to be at my house for like days and days at a time and not leave or like not see anyone for a while and only have FaceTime or something to talk to people or feel like there's nothing really to take her. There's nothing to go take her to do. Yeah. So there, there was a kind of a lot of similarities. And so we, we moved back in like February and then COVID, you know, hit in March. And so it was kind of like, uh, <laughs> we moved back for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that we were looking forward to was some of the things that come with living in America. And now, yeah, now America's can. shut down. Now you can't do any of that either. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, so I feel like I'm not an anxious person. I, you know, I try to have a lot of empathy for people who are struggling with anxiety and depression, but previous to having a baby, I didn't have any experience with that. And so I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't quite sure what that experience was like you know, I was trying to be like sympathetic and all that, but I just was like, so you just worry all the time or like, what does that mean? And then after I had her, I think because of that crazy start that we had and then kind of being just kind of where we were so remote feeling like if something happens to her, I have no resources. Yeah. Like I don't have any, not so much like I don't have any help because I have Thai friends and you know, there, there are, there, there was a hospital. So it's, you know, but I was like, if she, if it's anything more than a broken arm, I don't know. 
I don't, we have no resources. You're like, what if, so she has really low muscle tone as well. And one of the things that we're doing now that we're back in the States is she's been in some therapy for that. So there, there's no, like where we were, there's no physical therapy. And so feeling like I've got some concerns here kind of, but I don't know. I mean, there, there aren't any resources for me here. So I was just texting with, you know, therapy friends back in the States about what to do. And one specific instance that I will never forget was that her, um, I think it was her one month appointment. Maybe it was her two month appointment. I can't remember, but the pediatrician was listening to her heart. This was still in Thailand. And she looked at me and she said, did you know that she has a heart murmur? And the word for murmur in Thai, it was not a word that I knew because that's not like a common vocabulary word. So it'd be like someone coming here and learning English. If you said murmur, that's, that's not like top of their list of words to know. So she looked at me and asked me that. And I know for sure that I had never heard that word, but when she asked me that, I knew exactly what she meant. And I'm, I'm just convinced that God gave me that word in that moment. Cody was there too. And I looked at Cody and I said, did you know that she had a heart murmur? And he was like, oh, I didn't, is that what she said? I didn't understand. I don't know that word that said. And I said, look up, look up that word. Cause we had a little dictionary app. So I said, look up that word that she said. And sure enough, it meant heart murmur. And so that I, I was trying to hold on to that moment. Like later when I just felt really stressed about everything related to her of like, okay, God is going to give me what I need, even if it's a word I've never heard before. But the thought of just like depending on the Lord to give me all this random tie that I've never heard going forward. I was like, this isn't, yeah. I mean, I know God can do whatever, but I feel like that was sort of an isolated incident. And I would just feel, I would have these like, not nightmares exactly, but I would just be minding my own business going about my day. And suddenly I'd have this horrible like image of like me dropping her or you know, she'd be crawling and she's just playing on the mat. Like nothing's, nothing's going wrong. But suddenly I would just be like, oh my, what if she has a seizure? Like, where would I take her? And so I was coming up with like all these emergency plans in my mind for situations that where, never ended up happening. Where are all the nearest exits? But, and do we know that all the scissors, you know, just kind of covering all yeah, your faces in whatever situation? And I would just feel like I, even just walking out of our house, like the front porch steps, I would just be so fearful of walking down the steps because I was like, I'm going to trip and fall and kill her. And after a while, I was like, this isn't me. I don't, I'm not like this. This isn't, you know, I have not struggled previously with this. And I thought this is, this is what people with, anxiety must feel like. It's like, I couldn't control this crazy fear that I would have of situations that were like really just probably never, ever going to happen. Like I've walked up and down porch steps a thousand times and one of, you know, maybe one out of the thousand I've tripped a little bit. But so at that point I was like, I think there's, there's maybe something to this that is more than just just common sense, like, oh, be careful about things. And so that started happening a lot. And I don't know if it was spiritual warfare or maybe that's every mom starts having some like maternal anxiety. I'm sure every mom has a touch of it, but it was like way more than I felt like I could cope with on my own. And I, we would have, I love Thai people. So everything I'm going to say about Thai people, like, I hope that this doesn't come across as like, I don't like them. I mean, I love living in Thailand tons of friends. And I love that they loved Violet and Violet was the only white kid like for forever around there. So it was, she was, she stuck out everywhere we went. Thai people are great. They're so communal. 
and they love kids. Like that's not, I can't say that's how it is in the States so much, but Thai people, their whole culture, like they just really value kids. And one of the ways that would really stress me out was we would just be out. Like I would be at the store and I would be, you know, she'd be in the basket and I'd be looking at whatever on the shelf and I would kind of turn around and there would be people like at the basket, just, you know, making faces at her and talking to her and touching her and stuff, just like harmless. Right. But I'm like, Oh, whoa. goes up and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, you know, right. Like please, please back off. And then one happened multiple times. I would be one time I was at a restaurant and I, it was my mom had come to visit. And so me and my mom and Violet were eating lunch and I, I think I'd walked up to pay the bill or something. And this other customer was in there and she was just kind of making faces at Violet. And she just, before I knew it, she just reached over and just took her like out of my arms and was like bouncing her around and taking her over to her table to show it off to like all of her coworker friends that were at the table. And I was so shocked because that, I mean, Americans would never do that. Right. Like, I, I can't offend this lady. Like this isn't, I mean, culturally, I I don't want to shame her. This is going to, he's not doing anything wrong. She wasn't, she hadn't walked off with her. You know, I could see Violet the whole time. She was like 10 feet away. Violet was loving it. You know, all these women are ooing and aahing over her. But I was just like, I, I can't, I can't even like protect my own daughter. This is how I was feeling inside of, I'm so... I just like can't I was just convinced I was like a terrible mom because I was either gonna drop her or she was gonna get taken or you know something was gonna happen medically and I would have nothing to help. And I don't think that that's anything that um most moms don't feel at some time. I mean, I I know at least for me in the beginning with Amanda, I was probably the absolute opposite. Um I, Amanda was sick for about a week in the hospital. And I just remember feeling like this absolute peace and trust that God was taking care of her. The doctors were taking care of her. I didn't get to hold her for the first five days. Um, really almost a, a naive bliss of everything's great. Um, but the, the longer I've been a mom and the, I think the older you get, you know, I was 25, it was 25 when she was born. Um, the longer I've been a mom and, you know, I kind of battle with, I mean, Reggie and everybody in my family would probably tell you I battle with anxiety over things a lot from time to time. Um, and I think that comes for me at least, comes in um, the form of the longer I'm alive and the more I see things happen, the more, uh, and I think that's why we, sometimes we think older people are cynical because they're like, oh, well, this could, ha-, you know, they're negative about things. It's because they've lived longer and maybe they've seen things happen that, you know, you're sitting here telling your kids, okay, be careful, you might fall or, you know, watch out for this. You might, and they're like, I'm fine, but it's because you've seen those things happen or you've mm-hmm. seen something bad happen or, um, but I know that anxiety, um, and fear, I just have to, for me constantly, kind of like you said, look at it as, is this spiritual warfare? Because I know the Bible said that spirit fear is not from the Lord, that that's straight from the enemy and remind myself that I know that God says he's always with me, um, that he's never going to leave me for me to be courageous and I have to really physically stop myself. In fact, Lacey and I were talking about this this morning, um, or maybe it was yesterday, about there are days when I have um, 
I really have, I need to pet myself up. I need to really give myself a pep talk about whatever it is. And whether it's, I post a song on social media or a scripture or whatever. I said, you know, a lot of times, probably more times than not, those are for me. That's not this, hey, you guys should read this verse or, hey, y'all should listen to this song. It's it's like, man, I needed this today. I needed the reminder that in this moment as a mother or, you know, even all, my kids are all gone. It doesn't mean I don't worry about them, you know, when they're not with me, right? I mean, my youngest is 20 and I still worry about all of them. And Amanda's, you know, 28. Um, But I think it's, it's one thing that we've tried, at least with our kids, in staying in tune with my relationship with the Lord, whether that's, you know, consistent, a lot of things, prayer, you know, scripture, time with Him, one-on-one, music, whatever it is, the more time and gaps that I have in that, the easier the enemy gets in and fills me with things that I know aren't of God, Um Sorry, I felt like I went on a soapbox there for just a minute. But <laughs> I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. But I love that you shared about that because I, you know, that's not something I experienced as a new mom. I mean, I wanted to be a mom from day one, but um I know a lot of moms that even after they had their kiddos went through kind of a postpartum depression to anxiety that that it's a it's a big deal and um a lot of women yeah, I deal with it. I didn't know that postpartum anxiety was even a thing until I was like, is, is that a thing? <laughs> because I was struggling so badly. And so I, w- I actually Googled it. I mean, I've heard of postpartum depression. I feel like I know a lot of people that have gone through that. And so that was something I knew existed, but I was like, I don't think I'm depressed. I'm just so freaked out about everything all the time. <laughs> so I actually didn't even know that postpartum anxiety was actually a thing until I was just like, okay, something's wrong with me. What's, what is happening? And I was just feeling so much guilt because it's like, first of all, I didn't even really want a kid for so long. And then now I'm like so freaked out because I love her so much and something's going to happen to her. And so I just felt like the most ill-equipped, like un, not naturally gifted mom. Um, and that sort of felt a little bit isolating. And I'm not saying that like every person who's a mom has always dreamed of being a mom, but that felt like all the input I was getting and like a lot of mom resources that I happened to come in contact with. It's like, I couldn't really find myself in that like narrative. I was kind of looking for some, some experience of someone that was like, loves her kids so much, but isn't like super pumped about being a mom and didn't just always dream of being a mom and isn't having the best time with their baby all the time. Well, and it's scary and, too, because it's it's something you've not done before. And if you, and, and I don't know how you are, if it's something that you like kind of things structured and ordered and all of a sudden, nothing structured. I love structure and order and routine. And I love a to-do list and I love feedback. And I'm an Enneagram three. And so that's an achiever. I'm like, I'm such a three that I'm like, I want to be the, the best three. I'm like the most three of any of the three. <laughs> um, so like at the end of the day, Violet just turned two and she's great. Like she's super easy and she's so sweet, but she doesn't go like, mom, thank you. You've done such a great job today. Like excellent work. Well done. <laughs> and even though like happy and I, I feel very confident that she's had a good day and you know, she's thriving. I'm like, where's like the rubric where I can like check off some stuff that if I did all this, then I'm a good mom because 
that's whatever motherhood is. It's like the opposite of a checklist. Oh, for sure. I don't know what the opposite of a checklist is, but it's what it's that. And so I just feel, I just feel like I have so few mom skills. I was very good at my other job. Like before I was a mom, I was a dietitian. Like I'm good. I'm, I was good at stuff. And now I'm like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm good at this. I think and I like her. So I I guess we're good. (laughs) I think that's one thing that, um, when there's something that comes up that, you know, either maybe you, you don't feel like you're good at, or you lack the skills at, or you lack the knowledge, um, that when you do see, um, you know, maybe when she's bigger and, or you do see something that goes well, you're like, okay, well, that totally wasn't me. That had to be the Lord. Um, that it's, it's an opportunity to show other people that I, this is not me. This isn't something that I did. This is something that God gave me the grace to do, that God stepped in because we've asked him to help us. And Cody and I, you know, that we've prayed for Violet or, or whatever, because, um, I know one of the things that I talked to Reg about with, um, of anything, me doing a podcast seemed absolutely ludicrous because, first of all, most people in my family would tell me that I'm not good at saying what I think when it comes to um, to a one-on-one situation in a in a careful way. That I tend to I tend to spill things out too quickly, or um, or if I get quiet, which is just the opposite if I don't know what to say and I get quiet, then everybody thinks I'm mad. Um, so not having words are such a big deal to me because I take them very, very deeply. Um, so for me to do something that is word-based, that is, um, in an area of something that, you know, I mean, I know about being a mom, right? I've been a mom for a long time, but I know my experience. Um, but to do something in an environment like this, where I'm sharing words that I typically get myself in trouble for, Um, I'm like, for a long time, I really thought the Lord was kidding about kind of what, you know, this was going to look like. But if anything, if, if my prayer in all of this, um, is that if this doesn't totally flop and I don't totally make a million enemies or, uh, whatever, if I suck at this really bad, that I know at the end of the day that. I did something that the Lord asked me to, and that if if there's anything good in it, it's Him, because this is this is not anything that I can do, and that's the whole point. I mean, if you look at the Bible and the people in the Bible that God uses, are all broken, they're all you know messed up. They don't have the qualifications for whatever it is He asks them to do, and then they do it out of obedience because they love Him, and He works in it, and He's the one that gets the glory. And that's what I love about you sharing that you know you don't really haven't felt a certain way and that about being a mom and yet you're honest about, you know, it's been hard. It was hard in the beginning. And yet you see kind of where I mean, God is growing hard. you, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm, I am not at the point where I can be like, I have now come to this great conclusion sure. about everything. <laughs> I feel like I'm very mid midway through this thought process here, but I have, um, you know, I would subscribe to, like Instagram accounts that were like, you know, little toddler activities and stuff. Cause I was like, I have no idea. I don't know. So like, let me get some help here. And then I started to feel kind of guilty of like, 
oh, I'm not doing like any of these activities or if my Play-Doh's not homemade <laughs> or, you know, oh no. And whatever, like I'm not recycling all my bottle tops to make a whatever. And so I've, I'm sort of like shifting and I'm actually unsubscribing to things gradually yes. because I'm like, I want to get some help with things that I'm weak in, but I don't want to mistake like that help with pressure to like be right. like, a, like somebody I'm not. And so, and I, and actually the, the Play-Doh thing was a bad example because actually homemade Play-Doh is super easy. No, <laughs> and it's not I know what, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm like, is Violet, sometimes she colors and that's like kind of our thing for the day, you know, like she's colored in a coloring book. And I'm like, that's our little activity. And then other times we, we do like a whole thing. And I'm just basically trying to, I'm like in the process of trying to figure out like just relaxing and, you know, this is how God made me. And he gave me to Violet as her mom. And so that was obviously intentional. And so however he's wired me and however he's wired her, is to him a good thing. Right. And so I don't exactly know because her personality is just kind of emerging because she just turned two. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about her yet. And yeah, and, you're and all just that. starting to learn to just, and figure out about her. Yeah. So I'm trying to remind myself that even though I feel like a lot of parts of motherhood don't come naturally to me, that that's, I don't always have to feel like super awkward and unnatural. I could maybe do things in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. And it's my personality. So whether that's craft time or not craft time or whatever, I can, I can, I'm trying to just like chill and know that, you know, God's made me a certain way. And so I'm going to try to operate in this role that seems unnatural, but I'm going to try to find ways to do it well that, that use my skills and my strengths. (laughs) So, or, um, well, that's another podcast episode. You can come back to me in like 10 years. We'll see where that, (laughs) see how that worked out. That's going. Well, I love that, um, that you're honest about it. And honestly, that you're able to come back and say, you know what, these are things that I'm even noticing about myself. Cause I think that's a big part of, of motherhood and just even being, you know, a human is the, the longer you're around you, the more you figure out that, you know, yeah, it's okay to unfollow some people and unfriend some, not unfriend necessarily, but just, I don't need to put the pressure on myself because comparison is just the devil. It will just eat you alive. And, and I, uh, I know it's hard a lot of times not to compare yourself to, oh, I wish I was like that mom and man, I don't have that skill. And, you know, um, we didn't do this for our kids or, and especially it's really hard when they get into elementary school and high school and stuff, but just being strong in what you know and what is important. And there's no trophy. No. Either way. No. Nobody's nobody getting out trophies. So, and, and you know, at the end of the day for us, it, it has to be about, um, you know, we used to say this in school all the time at the end of the day, did the kids know that we love them? that they felt safe and that we pointed them to Jesus and that that is what, you know, our goals are. I mean, always, you know, there's lots of other stuff in the middle of it, but um, that to us was always what was the most important. You know, did they feel loved? 
did they know that we were there to take care of them, that we, they were safe with us and that we had their, you know, we had their back in whatever the situation was and that we did our best in the moment. You know, we didn't always make the right decision. I tell the kids that all the time. I'm like, I'm sorry, we screwed that up for you. Or, you know, <laughs> we're not perfect. And we did what we thought in the moment and hindsight's 2020, 20, you know, where there's lots of things we would have done different. Um, but I think you, guys are amazing parents. Violet is a very blessed little girl to have you. And I don't know when we're going to be in Lubbock to come see you guys, but I hope we get to come see you guys very, very soon. Same. Same. I miss you guys so much. You give her a hug and tell her, I don't know, maybe when we'll come see, I don't know when we're going to come, but we need to come in the next couple of months and come see Poppy, but um, just give her a hug and tell her happy birthday from Uncle Reggie and Aunt Lynn. I will. I will. Thank you so much for being on and talking to me a little bit. And I, I love that there's things I learned about you and I feel remiss that there were things that I didn't know, but I'm just thankful that you were on and we got a chance to talk for a little while. Yeah. All right. I love you. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks guys for listening to drive through moms and we will see you next week. Happy Wednesday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Drive Through Moms podcast. I love hearing God's pursuit of these moms' hearts through His faithfulness in every situation. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as get more information about each of the sweet ladies and our resource page coming soon on our website, drivethroughmoms.org. Subscribe on iTunes, and if you like what you're hearing, leave us a great review. We'd so appreciate it. Until next time, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.